Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian, online training and nutrition coach, and owner of James Roberts Fitness. You can find more of my content by going to my website, fitamputee.co.uk. But before we get started with today's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners. And if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, I've got Isabel Hunt. Isabel's journey started with a prophetic dream at the age of 12. The German native tackled many obstacles in order to make her dream of speaking in front of thousands in English (laughs) became a reality. Her biggest obstacle was learning to connect deeply with her soul and her heart and to fully accept herself and her unique gift as an empath warrior. She experienced reaction and betrayal, life-altering failures, depression and anxiety. Isabel's life is is a beautiful reflection of how anyone can create a deep spiritual connection with themselves by discovering and owning your unique superpower. You are able to powerfully step into your mission. So welcome on to the show, Isabel. Thank you so much for having me. You did pick the long one, (laughs) the long version. (laughs) So before we delve into today's episode, obviously people might be wondering, and I am in particular, what is an empath warrior to start off with? What is an empath? Um, Okay, so an, an empath is someone whose mirror neurons are more developed than what it usually is. Like we can learn being empath, empathetic, empathy um however being an empath being empathic so there's a difference between empathy or being empathetic and empathic um often those people have a very um how would i describe it like a very intense connection with people we don't just feel with people it's almost like we become them everything they feel we start to feel so a lot of times empaths get overwhelmed very easily frustrated often they withdraw from everything um they suffer often from anxiety and panic attacks because their nervous system is overstimulated and overloaded so their body is literally like oh we need to stop here otherwise we're going to do damage to the whole system and um Usually empaths are the, the introverts. There's a difference between the empath and the empath warrior. Um, so people who are only very highly sensitive, they are usually the ones who work in the background. They're okay with just being the backbone of things um, and reflecting back to other people what they see or keeping, like my husband is an empath and he keeps me grounded. He's like, whoop, I need to push you and pull you back a little bit. Let's, let's calm down <laughs> where I am. I need my time in my introvert box to rejuvenate and just to get out of my head. But at the same time, I have this extrovert inside of me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to talk in front of thousands of people. Um, But I have this extrovert side of me, the warrior. Like, there's this really deep passion and this message inside of me that I know I need to do bigger things using the gift that I have as an empath. So that's where where I created and coined that term empath warrior because I saw that more and more people that I worked with on an individual basis had both the introvert and the extrovert and they were trying to balance both 
and they couldn't and they didn't know what was going on. It's really hard when you're out there and suddenly you get totally overwhelmed and you just withdrawn and like, what's wrong with me? And like, there's really nothing wrong with you. We just have to figure out and help you understand the empathic side of you and the warrior side of you so you can be more effective and more have a bigger impact. That's quite interesting. It's, it's, well, for me personally, it, it's quite interesting to see because I'm well, it'd be hard for people listening and who've listened from the very beginning of my show mm-hmm. to believe that I'm an introverted person. Whereas, like you, you coined it, uh, you you use it as a vehicle to be cut, use that extroverted side of you to speak to thousands of people. I'm probably the example would probably be the show. Uh, yeah. Whereas I am, I think not just me. I say my family at large are very reserved and will take a back seat when the time it, uh, occurs. I think I am probably more more so, and that would probably surprise a lot of people. Even though I'm very I achieved so much in my sport in life, that's probably right. where I excelled, and that's probably me being. Uh, the, like the, the coin you turn, uh, the, the term you coin, sorry, of being a warrior. That's maybe where I can get my uh, bravado over to a certain extent, uh, and be that ma- masculine figure in that sporting world. But yes. I am not. <laughs> I'm not in in all essences. I'm not that kind of person anyway. I'm quite humble and quite reserved anyway. It's it's not helped me. Growing back, growing up, because you've been that probably that shy, reserved person. You're quite held back and standoffish. It well, especially get... in sports, I would think, because then usually those kind of people are not too competitive. Like you need to have some kind of extroversion inside of you to be competitive. I mean, I, I saw that you or were or you are Paralympic Olympian, right? So you have to be really like set and you have to have a mission to do that otherwise you don't do that like it takes a lot to get to that point um so there must be something inside of you that that drives you and it has a little bit of that competition um inside of you where you just want to be out there otherwise i don't think if you would be fully an introvert you wouldn't have gotten into it i don't know ah well it's probably a general you may have just been the trainer (laughs) i think Oh no, but that's a difficult one entirely because it takes um, a special person to be able to go from being a highly successful athlete to become a good coach. I think I've got, I've done my coaching certificates in some sports, mm-hmm. but would I fully submerse myself into it completely when I stopped stop playing? Probably not because I can't do it because it's it's very frustrating when you can um, see things happen on the fly and you try and repeat it to somebody else. Well, have you seen this? And they don't see it. It's quite frustrating. It's like, well, <laughs> why, why can't you see it? I, I think. Well, maybe, that's like that's I, pretty much like the work I do on a daily basis on a, on a personal internal level. Like, why can't you see what I see about you as possible? Just look at it and be like, I can't see it. I was like, but I can. Just open your eyes. And I, yeah, sometimes can get frustrating in yeah, similar ways. I think, <laughs> I think I have become more empathetic 
maybe more so from the fitness perspective because, uh, and it took me a long time to be able to do it, but I think my family uh, wanted me to go into personal training straight off the bat of once I've retired from sport and I was very reluctant to because I was, and I'll say a, kind of a fixating mindset in terms of, well, uh, the, the words that coin to, to come to mind would be, well, I was able to do it. I've got a disability. Uh, why can't you do it? Whereas I think on reflection now, and and since I've become t- trained, I don't, mm-hmm. uh, to a certain extent, I, I, I might do because that's the way the person is hardwired. They want to be pushed in, in, in those kind of um, spheres. Whereas in most cases, that's not going to be the case because... Uh, well, you could you could call some the people in that wanted to push themselves that hard in support are kind of psychotic to a certain extent, because yeah. why would you want to put your body through that much pains and suffering uh, to to realise a goal? Okay, it's not for everybody. I, I I know that, but for the general public, I think it took that realisation of knowing everybody isn't the same uh, and looking at that you apply a training program to suit the person not fix the per- not put the person to, to how you kind of think and want to operate so it's it took a while for me to get that along, along uh, kind of in my brain and whereas now I'll probably flip between the two and the language that I've used maybe some people need it sometimes because it's to kick up this they're probably being too hard, I'm probably on the. I'm probably the other side of the coin. They're being too harsh on themselves at times, mm-hmm. and you've got to say, well, you need to look at the bigger picture, and look at well, what what a maybe look on deeper than actual. What I think society coins the term. You know, you want the to, expectations. You, you, the yeah. expectation. You want the quick fix. You want to be socially acceptable to the wider world, whereas thinking, well, you happen back to, well, people that like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. To a certain extent, that is socially unacceptable, well, to most nowadays, whereas back then, that was what was beautiful. So I think being able to give the people the knowledge and the tools nowadays to be able to look at their whys, actually why you want to achieve your goal and be more, uh, how would I put it, acceptant of oneself as opposed mm-hmm. to yeah, kind of looking for that, um, well, that's not an empathy, but that satisfaction from the outside world, uh, having the... Um, getting that satisfaction that other people think you look good, uh, uh, look, that you have made a change. It's like, well, I, I think I'm, I think maybe that's easy for me because I've been grounded from the get-go. Uh, I don't care. I think maybe the only time I can think on reflection is maybe my teens where that was, <laughs> I, I was, I was kind what? of, 
Well, in my experience, especially with younger people now, you see it more and more that they're more open to individuality. They want to express more of who they are instead of conforming to society and the expectations of society. That's what I love about the younger generation. That's why I love working with them in general. For one, they resonate with my message more. For some reason, um, we we see an, an heightened and heightened sense of um, consciousness and sensitivity towards community within younger generations. I know there's so much that people say about millennials, blah, 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 I hear it. They're lazy, they're entitled, and I do not agree with it. There often are people that just grow up, they can't get out of their head. But in general, the people that I talk to, the people that I work with, it's incredible how they want to embrace the individuality, how within that passion and within that understanding for who they are, they still want to have that bigger impact. And serving, the word serve, has a much different meaning to them than what um, older generations would um, associate with it. And I think that is the, the really the, the beauty of the younger generations. And I don't think it's different in sports. I think um, they're, they're embracing it much more in general, life in general, to find their individual way of what works for me, how can I get there, and what can I do with it. I see more athletes, and, and honestly, I'm not a sports person, so I, I, I'm not too much into it. Um, at least not anymore. It changed a little bit once you have a kid. But um, I see it with them that even with their sports, they want to use the sports as a platform um, to underline the individuality, yet for a common cause. We've seen it in football here with the stand that was being made with the kneeling. Um, you see it, um, I don't know if you know Tim Tebow, maybe. Um, he, he's been pretty big using his sports as a platform. And there's so many others. And again, I'm not really into it. I just always hear it some, somewhere on the news or read it on Facebook. But they tend to, tend to use their platform more for a greater good. And that's what I love about the younger people. Like there has not been one person. I've talked to many, many people under 35 where I felt like, oh, they're totally selfish. They only do that for their own ego and they want all the praise. I have not met them yet, to be honest. And maybe it's just because I'm attracting those people. Yes, maybe. Um, but I'm also seeing that as a... a I don't know, there's like this glimpse of hope coming with it, that those younger generations will create something much bigger. They really can bring people back together since we see that divide so much right now. And I think right now it's just escalating in our world society because there is this um, this power struggle going on from those in authority because they're usually older, 50-plus um, between and the the younger generation, and we're talking about the generational gap, right? Um, there's just a different sense of community within the younger generations than what it has ever been with the older generations. But nobody taught them how to use it. So there's they see what is being taught to them, they see what is going on, but it doesn't feel right. There's a war going on inside of them of what they feel what they know they are capable of and what they see on the outside and the opportunities that's been given. Like you see it with the school system here. 
uh, they're so focused on competition within the school system that it actually takes away the community for what the sports has been created in the first place. Um, I don't like to see it. I didn't grow up that way. Uh, the only thing I played was volleyball in high school. There was not that competition going on. It was just played. It was let's have fun. Yeah, we have a, a tournament here or there, but let's just have fun. Like here, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like war in 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 the U.S. If if when you compete, it's not fun. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> it's just like um, a pedestal. Those who win, it's just not fun. And it goes, it's almost like the younger generations are rebelling against that. They, they want to create something that's bigger. You see it within younger athletes here, especially within football and baseball and um, basketball, that they bring in someone who is um, maybe not qualified for the team, someone who just has a disability maybe and just wants to be part of something. They invite them in. And that's becoming more and more of the norm. And you see how they start to care more for each other. So I think yeah, there, there's an, an impressive change happening within younger generations. Older generations don't want to see. I don't know, because maybe they lose authority. They feel like they're losing control. Um, so I think even training those people on the individuality within sports it's probably going to be more fun over the next years because they're embracing it more yet with a bigger purpose. I don't know if you see it similar, but that's just my experience. I think as about you bring up a good point in, to, in terms of the individuality, because I, I think in terms of, and it's not an argument I've heard. It's very much, and, and, and I'll, I'll take some of the blame as well in terms of saying <laughs> that the millennials are quite lazy. I think I think the argument probably happens back. I won't put all the onus on the media, but they have some blame to say, well, this is why we have some of these trends that, oh, we'll say, uh, they're more, oh, it's not more, they're less inclined to be produ- productive and they'll blame X, Y, Z for it. So I think mm-hmm. it's very much maybe skewing the, the data in terms of, why people are thinking like I'm a little bit maybe I, I don't give myself credit there I'm probably a little bit more open-minded I, I it would depend on what the circumstances is I will give people benefit of the, uh, benefit of the doubt in terms of well you may not be excelling in that particular discipline that is maybe why you, you are I don't like the word lazy maybe we'll, we'll say laid back and kind of that lazy fair attitude it's been not as driven not as ambitious yeah well if you you happen back to my own example and my own um, experiences i've been coined uh quite well i'm a laid back character anyway but quite a lazy athlete but it's the perception (laughs) that i have given it being that i don't know what kind of or it gives off because I don't think anything of it. But it, for I think people have given me the feedback on like later down the line. Your attitude comes across in this demeanor. Well, I don't mean it to be. And mm-hmm. to be fair to me, if I didn't care, I wouldn't be here. So it's it's you right. can kind of see from my argument. 
Well, well here's get... one thing that just actually came to mind and how we can probably explain that more because there's such a war going on inside of younger people like something doesn't feel right with how the where the world is going what we're doing and something that i feel inside so they switch in that observer mode it's more of an observer mode that is being um reflected back to them as lazy and entitled which i really don't think and really as a child, even, your children live up to the expectation that you have as a parent. And it's the same with generations. Generations live up to the expectation older generations have of them because that's all they want to see. And that's all they're going to see because that's what they're expecting. You attract and you get what you focus on. And so, of course, when you focus on millennials being lazy and entitled, well, you have them right in front of you because that's all you're looking for. You're looking for the confirmation in people that confirm your belief about this generation so you can justify what you just said, heard, or how you believe about them. Does that make sense? Um, I personally, and sometimes there are, I mean, you have them everywhere. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, don't. Just think. Use your brain. Use your brain. Just use it once. Um, I mean, it's it's not all. Just pick yourself up sometimes, too. And I get it. There's a lot of complaining, and you have to be really careful what you say. I think that's totally, like, getting over the top. Like, you can't say this word, and you can't say that word, because then you will um, offend someone here and offend someone there. And I think that's why my work comes so... Uh, becomes so important and more important to actually teach them that you don't take things personally. Whatever people say about you is more saying about them than about you because you always are a reflection, a mirror to whatever they think and hold on to beliefs that they have to deal with. And so for me, the work that I do, especially grounding them and understanding their emotional world better and understanding what they are actually feeling, they tend to take things less personally. Okay, you just said that. It has nothing to do with me. Okay, I can be okay with that. Well, let me listen to you, what you have to say with that. So we become more reflective instead of reactive. And that's where we're shifting right now, I think, where um, with especially younger people, they don't know what that really means. They are... they. All they've known growing up is reactive behavior. And um, and I think our generation has just been on the verge of that. Maybe the generation before us, my husband is, what is it, generation, what is that, YX? <laughs> I don't even know what is coming before. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm on the verge of millennials. So I'm right on the, on the end of it. But, um, I yeah, now I think it's our term or our time really to help them understand, okay, you have to reflect back. Not everything that's being said says something directly about you. Not everything that's being reflected back to you has anything to do with you. When you become your own person and you're able to really be grounded and centered, and we're talking spirituality, not religion, um, you can stand your ground. You don't take things as personally. You don't react as much. And that's when you can have the biggest impact that you can have. Because if you always respond to everything people say about you, if I would always re respond to everything people would say about me, I already would be back home in Germany living with my mom in the basement hiding. <laughs> um, but I can't. But because I've trained myself so much and I've worked with my own coaches over all those years, I, I can just stand there and say, okay, I hear you. 
but what is it that you're really saying? Because obviously it has nothing to do with me, unless I really said something stupid. But then I know how to apologize and say, hey, I think I have to clean something up. I can't stand up for that. I created, like, I'm known for integrity. And when there's something I did wrong, I can say, okay, I I can admit to this. And how can I clean it up? Um, Even though still you want to hide because it's embarrassing. But... (laughs) But I think that's where we're shifting. And that's the same in in sports, I think. When you look at competition mindset, um, often and what, I've, what I've seen with especially high school students, that they feel offended when someone else wins. They take it personally when someone else wins. And I think um, that is... That is a wrong way sports was created for. Like, it's it's it doesn't represent what sports was created for because really sports was in general created or is created to bring people together to have fun to um i mean there's so many kids that would probably end up in front of the tv if they wouldn't have those outside the home sports activities it's helping them get out to socialize and often we forget the actual meaning of why sports were created and we take it personally when other people win and you see, like, I don't know if that's just an American thing, and I hope I don't offend anyone with that, but when I first came to the U.S., it was so difficult for me to even go to sports events. Oh, if you see the moms of those kids, they go crazy. Like, they're little four, five, six-year-olds. They're supposed to act like they are 10, 11, 12, 13, 16, 18. And they're sitting there, and they are pushing them, and they have to do this, and they have to participate in that. And I'm just sitting there, like, just, can they have fun? Can they just be with each other? Can they just create a sense of community instead of um, always having to compete with each other, taking it personally. Maybe you're not the best mom. Maybe you, um, I, I don't know, you know, they, even the parents take it personally when their kid doesn't win. And I think that takes away the joy when it comes to sports. And again, that goes back to reflecting versus reacting. But that, that, that argument there is about there's loads of things wrong with it because it happens back to uh, an essence of the, the be it not in all cases, not always going to be the mother, it could be the father as well. They're trying to live um, their life through the child because they weren't able to realize their goal. That'd be one. Yeah. Um, I think the good argument you point you you brought up in terms of in the US, and I think this is going worldwide now. Uh, mm-hmm. If we look more, say, for, for obviously European football now, uh, in more so in Europe. Yeah. much it's very much like a factory if we if you can get the yes. individual as young as possible in through I will use Manchester United as the example if we can get them at four I think that's I think that's the most ex- extreme case I've, that I've heard about through the door into the academy mm-hmm. because he's good at that age uh, we've done we've done our job where he's thinking okay. And I've spoken or at length with, I think, two or three episodes of my show about this. Well, how many are going to actually, be it, get from the age of four to playing in the first team? And if we kind of use, and I think the statistics were even worse in the US, 
how oh, many yeah. get from, we'll say, middle school and high school in a specific mm-hmm. sport make it to the professional level? I think it was, oh gosh, how many zeros? I think it was well under 1% in the US. You're thinking you're being too harsh on your child. Okay, yes, because it is kind of that systematic factory environment where you're trying to get from the bottom of the pyramid to the top, mm-hmm. you've got to be that much, oh, it's not even driven, be um, that much inclined to being driven into a specific sport at a younger age yeah. to be able to succeed, you're losing um, the, uh, what word would I use, uh, the enjoyment factor of being able to do a multitude of sports at, well, we'll say at an elementary level, primary level, that would be, would probably be the case of me, oh God, I'm in my 30s now, so we're talking about mm-hmm. 20, 25 years ago now, I did a multitude of sports, okay, I was better at some than others, uh, what I actually succeeded in at elite level, uh, bar swimming, there's nothing that I did when I was uh, in, in my yeah. in, in my well in my preteens and in an early life. So you're thinking, well, okay, I, I would put it down to a little bit of luck. That's probably me being humble. Uh, I I, 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 I would disagree. That I was talented, um, uh, but I would put I would say luck at a, I I happened to be in the right areas at the right time, and I won't disagree with that. Uh, but I happen back to say, well, I was able to do a multitude of sports. Uh, I think, like you attested to, that social element definitely helped because that was enjoyment. You're among you're among right. friends. It helps to broaden that um, essence of friendship that you develop, and it probably helps yeah. you as an individual growing up. You were able to um, acquire those tools. Uh, be it from a communication standpoint uh, and all that comes with it. There's probably loads of, I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, but it it enables you to acquire the skills that you're going to need in later life. I think, but then happening back to my initial point, by being so specific and uh, kind of driven to trying to get to the heights of elite sport and professional sport, Mm-hmm. You're kind of going away from that. You, you're going to be so single-minded and kind of, oh, what would be the word I love to use? Um, self-centered is probably a strong word, but I think it works. Towards that goal, you're going to completely negate those skills that you're going to need. So you're going to be very very much introverted, because, yeah. but more so not from a sense of, the shyness now is because you don't have the people skills. Actually, it makes sense when they're so focused on achieving a specific goal. Then yes, then then it goes against the the actual goal of sports. Um, you're not just improving with your team, for example. Even if you do um, individual sports, but you're just so. Um, blind it's just one way forward and no other way and you don't look back 
or you don't look to your sides. And that's, um, I think what I, what I see more and more is that friends become opponents, um, especially already at a very young age. I mean, I see it with, with young kids in middle school, high school, where friends suddenly become opponents and it takes out the fun or it actually, I think in the, in the way often how we created the mindset around sports nowadays is that that actually destroys the community. Because again, everyone suddenly becomes your opponent to, to what you want to achieve. Everyone who is better is your enemy and it's hard to create those friendships um, unless you really just say, you know what, I'm giving my best, I'm doing this for a specific reason, I'm focusing on myself, and that doesn't mean that someone can't be better, or we can't be friends. I think that's what we're, where we need to open up the conversation again, especially with younger kids, where we can say, you know what, you didn't win, that's okay. You can applaud your friend that he did their best, and their best was a little better, better than your best today. But no, instead, I hear it a lot with, we call them your soccer moms and um, football moms or whatever. Um, they go home, like, next time you need to be better. You need to do this better. And I hear them, and I just sit there, and I'm like, why? Why? For one, they're kids. Help them understand that they can still achieve success in a certain sports without making enemies, without that mindset that other people are not your friend if they are better than you. And I, that is what is bothering me a lot. That's why now he's, my, my four-year-old has started T-ball, and um, I'm like, do we really need to do that? I know he's really good at it, but I really don't want to sit there and send my husband is going out with him. Like, if you want to sit there, I'm not. I'm not going to have the, the mom talk. Um, you, you can do that. And so he's now going with him. Um, but... Uh, at that young age, you can still kind of play, but it, you can already feel it. Like, I don't want to know what it's going to be like when they start their games, uh, because there are moms there that, that literally like, you go and you can do better. And why did you not hit that? And why did you not catch the ball? And I just like, they're kids. Let them just be together and enjoy that and help them understand that eventually, if you want to get better, you can do that without having to create enemies. You can still be friends. You can cheer each other on to do better and better. You know, more of that, that community unity competition mindset instead of that enemy self-centered competition mindset. Does that make sense? To me, yeah, because it's 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 a difficult one because... Um... In terms of that competitive competitive mindset now, uh, if I use my personal example, uh, personal experience, you I think even at the top level you have that disconnect between mm-hmm. uh, obviously you you are well what's the coin it as you are in my way because it's probably easier to explain. Uh, yeah. But I had friendships, be it uh, off the court, uh, out of the pool. Uh, well, how about Tim rowing uh, off off the lake? I, I was able to have obviously friendly conversations with people, okay. But when it came time to compete, yeah, obviously you you are right. an adversary. That one logically, it's time. To, it's it's go time. But I could disconnect between the two, right? Uh, be it um, oh, if we use the eight or hours of social media, I'll speak with them on social media. 
it doesn't. Right. It doesn't. But okay, I won't um, give away training secrets or whatnot like that because I'm not going <laughs> to not gonna do that. But have a friendly conversation. How are you doing? Uh, even in the heat of uh, training for a gosh world championships um, or even lesser events, I'll still have a, a chat. It's right. I, was I think pro- someone I, can do that who is very centered, who is very aware of themselves. I think I think if I go a step further than that, I probably I won't say annoyed coaches, but they mm. they were probably oh, how would I word it? Maybe maybe it comes back to happens back to my personality traits that I'm quite laid back. I can have a conversation with somebody. Oh gosh, I can't even think how close it. It'd be quite close to an event, and be joking around. And some people would say, "Why? Why? You need to get serious now." Yeah. Why? That's that's not me. I I, right. I I I when it comes time to, I think it will it will it will come down to circumstances. Sometimes yes, I can understand where they're coming from, but at others it's like, no, I can. I can see their argument. You you can't switch it on and off. Uh, in certain circumstances, I think you can. Uh, I think it comes down to the individual, and you've got to treat the person as an individual as opposed to yes. maybe more so in a team environment, lumping them all together. Oh, you all need to prepare like this. Yeah, but maybe I can. I agree. Maybe yeah. I can be able to go from one minute messing around, laughing and joking. To be able to switch it on like that, in fairness to to the listeners, that's probably a little bit of generalization. I think it will depend what kind of mindset and what frame of mind I am in. Sometimes that doesn't work, and I can see where the coach is coming from. You take a while to be able to get into that, we'll say the killer instinct mentality from the yeah. get-go. You're not in that position from, well, so use basketball analogy now, from tip-off, you take, I don't know, five minutes, maybe longer, to get engaged into the game, which they are not happy about. And I think I get frustrated at times when that happens with me. Okay, it might be, I'm not laughing and joking, it might take a time that that stimulus hasn't got to the level. It mm-hmm. might come down to the opponent isn't as good, so I'm not in the right frame of mind to be able to execute at a level that I'm able to operate at, which is, it comes down to mental psychology, that it's, why does that happen? Right. It's it's probably a complexity of factors. I think it's going to vary from person to person as to why that happens. You, 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 you've got that kind well, of... Well, it's, it's, it's like with everything, even before every interview, I can just do something, have a conversation with someone, and then right jump into an interview. I need at least 10 to 15 minutes to just kind of center myself, um, collect myself, and get focused on what do I want to talk about today? What do I want my message to be today? And I think that's the same with sports. You need some time before you start any competition to just kind of collect yourself, center yourself, like what is it that I want to achieve? Maybe even have this affirmation of I am going to be winning this game today or whatever that would be, right? Um, I mean, there's a lot of mind training, mindset training that goes into being a successful athlete. Uh, so I think that is actually necessary in with everyone. 
but it doesn't mean that you automatically in that moment you create or you turn friends into enemies you still have this connection but it, it stays with you you know it's more the individual it's more about you than about the collective like what I'm seeing is um, especially when I watch people here around here I, I, don't, I can't just say from my own experience that suddenly people turn from friends to enemies when the game shifts where I'm like why does that even have to play a role like why does it even have to come into the equation why can't they just switch and do the best that they can uh, within what they want to do you know instead of pushing it on everyone else I, I don't know how, if I explain that the right way but it's literally you can still be friends and still get into that serious mode preparing yourself mentally emotionally to be and to focus on your goal you want to win this game but that doesn't have to involve your opponent and turning them into enemies just because it's a game and that's what I see a lot where suddenly kids on the play field start to um punch each other because someone did something that was not according to the rules, whatever. And once they get off the game of the field, they are big friends. They're the closest friends you could ever find. That is what I don't get. You can, you can, like when you really want to be successful in anything, it's that focus on you and understand the, what you want to accomplish without having to push what you want to accomplish on other people and turning them into positions and roles just for you to feel comfortable to reach your goal. It's easier to reach a goal when you turn someone into your enemy in that moment than when you see them as your friend. But that's an individual thing. Like that is That just means that you are not standing within your own place that means that you're giving your power away to those around you that you're making your success dependent on those around you well that's you could coin that a different way that's very much um what is a psychological term it's you kind of it's a kind of egotistical motivation because you're using mm -hmm. another an, an outside but, but then if i use myself as the example uh, how old would I have been? I think as a teenager I did that very, a lot. But I was more... Uh, we'll call it more satisfied with winning that way as opposed to beating my best times. Whereas mm -hmm. as I progressed through the ranks... Okay, it's two flips of a coin. I think at the very top you're not going to be able to beat your time every single time that's that's not possible however on the flip side of that progressing through if you are only beating your peers of a similar standard we're not going to progress you need to be able to be to be able to motivate yourself uh okay there's going to be occasions that's not that's very difficult to do okay this time of the year as we're recording um if an athlete ever said that to me that's total garbage because well but, but are you telling me there's snow today? Well, I'm living. There is no excuse. Okay, it could start raining tomorrow, but that is not a detrimental factor to be able to go out and train. The wet, the weather is warmer than it was a couple of months ago in the winter time. So you've got that uh, element. If your sport 
is um, more so an outside sport now, you can kind of mix it up from a training perspective. You don't have to solely do training indoors. You can mix it up. You've got the environment to be able to stimulate you to be able to want to train, first of all, but then wanted to succeed to better yourself from a... Um, uh, yeah. Uh, not results. See, that's that's an individual choice. You know, you choose to continue no matter what your circumstances are, and I think that's what would bring success. You choose for yourself according to the goal that you set, without getting making it dependent on your circumstances. And your circumstances could include environment, um, could include other people, it could include. Um, I don't know, supplement availability, whatever that could be, you know. Um, your success does not depend on your circumstances. Your success depends on the choices that you make in that moment. And that could look like I choose to still run even though it's freaking cold outside or I choose not to. But that is your responsibility. You can't blame it on the weather. So, in, in, with any sport, your success does not depend on other people. Your success depends on you and what you choose in, it in that moment. It's the same with if you want to be successful in entrepreneur. It's the same with if you want to be successful in a certain area of studying or as an athlete. Um, if you make your success dependent on others, on other circumstances, on your circumstances around you, you will always have this victim mentality. You will always find excuses why you can't be better, why someone else, why it is someone else's fault that you didn't reach your goal. Like in a team setting, they were, they weren't prepared, so I couldn't be better, or they didn't do their work, or they didn't feel good, so I couldn't be better. But it, it is something about understanding your worth, understanding your value, and that what you accomplish even in a team setting, does not depend on your other on other people. And it's, it's more of an emotional understanding. It's almost like, um, sure, maybe the whole team didn't win in that moment, but you still can be certain that you gave your best, that you did what you needed to do in that moment, and yet that you chose towards your goal. And that could be that, you're, that you chose helping a teammate, which threw you back in the whole ranking, you know? But it is a choice, and we can be really... It, it, it really can be a place of power. And I think that's what we're missing. I think nowadays, um, from nobody's really teaching them to have individual responsibility for how you want to experience that. I always say, um, life doesn't depend on what you do. It depends on how you feel while doing it. And that, that is what keeps motivating you. If you choose to st still feel powerful in a situation that could totally run you over, it will move you forward. If you choose to feel motivated, if you choose to feel joy, you're more likely to move forward than if you, if you depend what you feel on what you do. And I think that's that's really what, what I want to get out to people um, with my work and especially younger generations to help them understand, you know what, 
if you can stand within your own place and your own power and and really acknowledge who you are, your worth, your value, and what you feel, taking responsibility for where you want to get, you don't take things personally from other people that may not agree with what you do. And then you can have conversations because it only comes to arguments when you um, when you feel offended, when you constantly take it personally. That's when you can't have conversations. But when you understand who you are and you can respond in a reflective way to them, you can start conversations. And when you can have conversations, you can improve situations. When you can improve situations, you can improve whole societies. And you can take it even further. You can improve the world. That's how I see it. I think I think there, Isabel, you bring up a good. But if I tie them to, the two together now, the, obviously that argument you you first of all talked about with people um, portraying. Did I get this right in terms? Do, do, would you put tie in teammates into the argument as well as seeing opponents as enemies as well? Um, probably to a different level, to a different degree, because at the end you have to work together. A team is a team. You work as one. But yet you have still your individual position within that team, right? Mm -hmm. If someone suddenly comes over and takes over your position, you're still pissed. (laughs) (laughs) You took my spot! But if if you can, if, if you are, like... If you don't depend on your circumstances, if, if you don't depend your success on circumstances, you can just be like, hey, I think you're in my spot, instead of reacting to it and appear like, oh, sorry, I didn't even see that, or I didn't realize that. Um, or you can reflect something other back to them afterwards, not probably within the game, because you're so focused on getting that point um, score, but... I think there's still the individually within the team needs to be respected to have the team be the most successful. But I think if we go a step further than that and kind of get to my point now, I think if you have that kind of mindset whereas you perceive everybody as an enemy is, and then obviously like what we've talked about further within terms of the communication, it's quite a destruct, uh, destructive environment because yes. if we become so focused on the winning and losing and you blame another, well, we'll, we'll use the team as the, as the example, the team environment and blame others as to why you lost. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you've now made a diso- you you can't operate as a team because no, it's a very toxic. It's environment. very toxic environment, and it's you, you kind of the the blinds come down on every individual because it's like okay, well you're blaming me, I'm blaming you. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think. Definitely, if you're on the other side of that, it, 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 it's very nice to see in a team environment, okay, you are now being destructive to yourself. This is easy because I could see it. But I think in terms of what, to kind of wrap up my, my argument there, it's bad because it's kind of come back to what we initially talked about in terms of that social environment. Mm-hmm. One... We, I think we didn't bring up in terms of it's bad enough at a later age uh, being able to create uh, those social connections. Yes. 
And then adding toxicity to it, you're making it. You worse. can only see where they're going to go as an adult. It's really hard for them to take responsibility for themselves and do so within a social environment. That's why we have this blame society going on. It's everyone else's fault but mine. Because we have never been taught what it means to not see everyone as the enemy. Not everyone is responsible for how you feel. Even if someone is mean at you, mean with you, like says something that's really hurtful, you can still choose. You still have a choice to let that affect you or not. And that is missing. I think it that goes through pretty much every area in our life. I think that's what we need to relearn as a society that what we feel does not depend on other people. We can choose powerfully. And sometimes there are stories in between. And sometimes there are trapped emotions that come up. You know, like all those things that I that I teach on too, but that would take too long now. Um, but there's things in the way. But you can choose to work through that. You can choose powerfully to say, okay, I'm taking responsibility. There's something that came up for me, some trigger. I need someone to talk with about that. Or I want to work through this. Or I need to let go of it. You know, That is the place of responsibility. And that, I think, is what we're missing in, in a lot of um, our society. Also within younger generations. Because they don't know what that looks like to take responsibility. Because if you even look at politics, um, people that are older... I mean, you don't see very many young people in politics in higher positions... They keep blaming each other. It's that country's fault, and it's that country's fault, and it's that person's fault. And there, there's no personal responsibility that's being taken, and that's all they see. And so they struggle with that. They want to be together. They want to have that community. But at the same time, they grew up in an environment that blames and so, of course, that's all they know. And that's what I'm trying to break through with the work that I do. And there's so many of my colleagues that do similar work where I'm like, we need to teach younger children, again, to take personal responsibility for how they want to feel and how they let other people make them feel. If it's in a competitive environment or if it's just in a normal environment like school or at home, is it with your siblings? That there is conflict sometimes going on, that's clear because they're still growing. They have their cognitive behavior that still needs to be um, developed. They need to understand their body. They need to understand their emotional world. There's so much growth. Um, but again, if adults react always to it, then it just makes it worse instead of just reflecting things back to them. And again, that's why... Um, I just recently talked to groups of moms and to help them understand how, how can you interact with your children to be more reflective and helping them to take personal responsibility already at a very young age. Like I don't tell my or ask my son what is wrong with you. I ask them, what do you need? Taking responsibility. And I really hope that eventually I look back at him and say, okay, now you're 20, you're 25, you're 30. I think I did a good job in helping you take responsibility for your life without having to blame everyone else and how you feel. I think that's a, that's a good argument there as well in terms of, I think, well, my own personal one. I don't know well, how kind of language my, my parents used with me, but... In terms of, I would like to think that growing up, I think maybe the disability may have had a, an impact to some degree in terms of how I have interacted with the the wider world, in terms of how I perceive things and how I want to um, interact with it. Mm -hmm. 
I'm very much. I wouldn't say I was disabled. I would say I, I, I very much became adaptable to the environment. I wouldn't. Uh, uh, how would I word this? I wouldn't say I wouldn't take no for an answer, but I would find a way to be able to enjoy enjoy the yeah. environment and be among my peers. It was I was not going to let anything get in my way. That uh, is a strong character trait. That is something that most likely your parents did instill in you because otherwise you wouldn't know how to actually do that. It seems like your you and your family seems really laid back and they already modeled that for you to say, you know what, you can still make the best out of every situation. And that is huge. And I think my parents did something similar. I think um, it was kind of that, that last generation. It seems like we're about the same age, so it makes sense. And both growing up in years. So, um, there's probably a lot of similarities in, in how we grew up to some extent. Uh, because my parents, they always trusted me. Like, I know you're going to do what you're going to do. I mean, if you would know the whole story that I've gone through to be where I'm at today. There were so many situations where my parents were like, I don't know, you should just come back and you should just get a job and a family and do the normal life. Um, but at the same time, they're like, I trust you. I trust you. I don't think I'm not worried about you. I mean, if you can say that as a parent and you see your kid leave the country, um, that's a huge step. And it's not just going to Great Britain. No, it went just over the ocean. Um, so I think it, it it sounds like your parents done a really great job for you to be able to adapt and to integrate yourself and still see the good in the situations. And that's probably why you came as far, why you, you've come as far as you have. Oh, it's, yeah, I think I think maybe because I've come to the realization, maybe I struggled with it as a teen a little bit, but there's nothing I no, can do about the, cir- the circumstances I've been given. Okay, there's times that I've oh, I can't re- I won't say regret is maybe a strong word, but it's maybe the the the, the mind frame I was particularly in. Whereas, okay, if I was an able-bodied individual, would I have um, accomplished more or the same that I have done? I don't know, because that's, that's, unless there's a parallel universe, I will never know. Well, you wouldn't know anyway, but right. unless there's a, another parallel universe out there that you could possibly be able to see it. Go knows? back and watch. <laughs> and watch, well, did, did, did it turn out for the better? Did it turn out for the, for the worst? You'll never know. I, I think now that I've finished my career, I, I oh, there's probably some regrets, but now we're five years removed, they're not as big, or I, I don't really right. look into them in great lengths as to, okay, it, it, the, the gold medal is, it became elusive. Oh well, it, 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 I think it was a big deal five years ago because yeah, I was looking. Well, that is the, that was the main goal, like this this pinnacle to the career. But now, right. okay, I look at it. Maybe it's probably a simplistic way of looking at things. It was if it was that easy to win, everybody would have one. 
So it was, probably. So I, I, I well, at the same it. time, you know, even though a gold medal was the goal, it doesn't take away from a message that you may have created over those years that you want other people to know about. That doesn't take away from the impact that you may have made on, on other children that said, you know what? I can do it too because I saw him do it and even get that far. I can do it too. So um, I think while this may be the goal, the purpose and why you've done that and why you got into that, especially if it's something much bigger than any gold medal could provide, um, was still given. And if you look back at some point, you're like, you know what? I still did what I wanted to do with it. I used the platform well. And it doesn't matter what material things there were to strike my ego a little bit more. Like, because gold, it does sound good and it feels good and it's an amazing goal to reach, right? Um, but it's, it's just um, looking back saying, you know what? I still did what I knew I was supposed to do with what I had the opportunity to do. So the material things don't take that away. And I, it's like for me too, like when I look back, it's like, you know what, there were a lot of obstacles, but looking back, it was really nothing. And I'm grateful because it, it got me to where I'm at today. It created the message that I have today where I can have more impact, where I can reach out to even more people. I mean, yesterday I had an interview in, with someone in Australia today, Great Britain, uh, next week here in the U.S., on the other side of the country. I mean, that is an opportunity in and of itself that if I wouldn't have gone through what I've gone through, maybe I didn't reach the big um, million stage yet. Maybe I never will. But I can know that I made the biggest impact that I could with the with what I choose or chose to do and taking responsibility for where I'm at. I, I think I think both examples is about are probably a good um, oh god I want to word this now uh, a kind of a good overall re- not re- not reflection but an overall synopsis as to why you should reflect on the yes. grander scheme of things as opposed to being um, very much proactive to an environment because it's too late then in most cases if you're reacting yeah. to something. You've met, you've missed it, but then if you reflect, some might argue it's very similar. Well, re- well, reflection in in all essences is kind of a free pronged attack. You do it before, uh, do it like during to some extent, and yeah. then at the end, so you can be ever changing. Um, how do I word this? Ever changing uh, your mindset as how you perceive something at different stages, you mm-hmm. might perceive it one way at the beginning, you've reflected upon it, changed it, you reflect upon it differently, and at the end, yeah. that could be throughout a day. Well, here's um, one thing, I think that that's a, a pretty good um, end to it. Um, what I always say is, if you can't get where you want to go emotionally, if you can't get the emotional attachment to where you want to go you will never get there physically and that's why the reflection part is always so important why do you do the things that you do what do you want to use what you have for a greater good everything you do in the light of a greater good will make you better everything you do in the light of selfishness and self-centeredness will destroy you 
and I think you may have answered my final question anyway, but we'll, we'll, I'll ask it, I'll pose it to you anyway. Uh, if we had to summarize this episode into one sentence uh, for people to take away, what would that be? <laughs> In one sentence, oh my gosh. Um, I would say that we have to teach how to reflect appropriately to not respond to every circumstance that is happening to us and take responsibility for where we want to go and how we want to experience life within the service of a greater good. I think that's a great way to end the show as well. So once again, thanks for coming on the Mindset Game podcast. I loved it. That was actually a total different conversation than what I usually have, so it's awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. The pleasure has been all mine. And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it would be more visible in future to others, and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.